Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable from Paris. I moved, y'all. I finally did it. (laughs) Do you remember a couple years ago when I was still living in L.A. and I was doing the Ratchet and Respectable merchandising for my apartment and I had boxes and t-shirts and sweatshirts like everywhere and I was like I feel like I'm living in a storage locker and I was like I need to move and remember I moved into a new place in the same building and then I moved back like two weeks later because I hated the apartment and I thought I was so crazy because I was like who moves and then moves back and then I was thinking about how like I'd moved from DC and then I moved to LA and I was like this is not who I am like I am a stable person I lived in Brooklyn for 17 years total. I stayed in the first place for two years and the second place for 15 years. Like, I love that everyone would come to my house and would know which drawer to open to like get the silverware or they would know where to grab the ketchup from because I was the stable friend. And now my ass moves every three months, maximum six months. Gone is the longest time I've ever actually stayed, lived in one place. All throughout all of these travels, I've never actually stayed put in the same city for more than three weeks. Who am I? I prefer this version of myself, but still, I told you I moved out of my apartment in London and then moved into a hotel. The Hoxton in Suffolk was like a three minute, four minute walk from my apartment. So I just got a suite over there and moved all my stuff. But like the day that I actually had to move, I'm moving five suitcases because I bought an extra one to ship back to DC, but I'm moving five suitcases out of the hotel room. And then like, I don't know, at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm living in one place. And then by five o'clock that afternoon, I'm living in another. It used to seem so daunting. And now it's just like, you know, like I've gone on vacation and I'm just staying for months. I remember finally making the decision about whether to move to Ghana and something I've been thinking about for years. COVID threw it off. But like just the idea of like, I'm going to pack up my whole apartment and I'm going to move to another country. I mean, it's a lot of steps, but like once you're used to doing them or once you know the steps that have to be taken in order to just baseline do what you need to do, like it's really not daunting at all. It's not like brain surgery or some shit, which I imagine to like people who have been trained how to do brain surgery, like, you know, your first brain's really difficult, but you're like, I don't know, 10th. It's like, oh, a new brain. What's, What's wrong with this one? Oh, okay. We know what to do. But I'm in my new apartment in Paris. It's absolutely adorable. And I mean adorable in like the cutesy bite-sized kind of way. It's tiny. I've never lived in an apartment this small. Even my first apartment in New York. It wasn't this nice, but it also wasn't this small. (laughs) I was describing it on social media earlier today. Like the living room is a decent size. The bedroom is a decent size. Like it doesn't feel claustrophobic. But the bathroom, actually an airplane bathroom might be bigger. Add a shower. The shower is actually a decent size. But like the sink is the size of an airplane bathroom sink. And then the toilet is so up against the cabinet under the sink that I have to turn sideways in order to do my business, if you will. And I've never done my business with the door closed because it's just me in here. 
I imagine if I had to do my business with somebody else in the apartment, it would feel like claustrophobic. The only person I know for sure who's coming to stay with me is my mom. Like, you've seen it all before. Not that I think it's appropriate for her to see it now, but I was like, we're going to have to figure something out. <laughs> but it's a cute little place, and it's on an adorable street. It's very quiet. It's very Parisian. Like, I have floor-to-ceiling. They're not windows. They're, like, doors that open up into, I don't have balconies, but it's like that um, Parisian buildings always have like that iron gate in front of the doors and windows. I mean, because it's doors. You don't want people to fall outside. They have that as opposed to screens. I don't think I have air conditioning, but that's okay because the high is like 71, 72. But it's very cute. It's much better than that apartment in London. All the space in the world, none of the furniture. I'm going to let it go someday. I will. I'm still mad about the owner accusing me of of trying to steal an extra night in his horrible-ass apartment. But it's really cute. It's got a little courtyard situation. Quiet. Did I say it was quiet? I took a walk last night to find a grocery store. I really wanted champagne to celebrate my move in Paris. So I was walking to one grocery store. I found it on Google Maps and then stumbled into another one. And I was like, oh, well, since we're here. In, In really bad French, I was able to order champagne. I was so proud of myself. My apartment looks an absolute mess right now. I have my gigantic suitcases spread all over the place, clothes everywhere, electronics everywhere. I haven't figured out where I'm going to put everything because it's got to be super organized because of the space limitations. But, you know, we're going to make it happen. And then I stayed up last night. I should have been pre-prepping for this podcast, but I was really tired after the move. But I stayed up and planned out all of my must-dos. For Paris, just because like at the end of London, I was trying to pack in so much stuff because I was like, oh, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. You got to do this. I was trying to do so much. And I was like, let me spread it out this time, because even while I'm here in France and I think I'm only here for seven weeks, this isn't a full three months. But I want to do like as much as humanly possible. That last week in London where I was doing something big like every day, I was really enjoying the city. So I want to keep the momentum of that while I'm here in Paris. I'm really happy to be here. Living in Paris has been on my bucket list for a while. Actually, when I thought about coming to Europe for summer, and I'm glad I did it the way I did just because the visa situation here, like you can only stay in Europe for 90 days out of 180 days, like in all of Europe, not just France, but like anywhere in Europe. But by living in London, I could bounce in and out of Europe because London is no longer part of the EU. It's one of the upsides of Brexit. If I just lived in France, I would have had to leave when my three months are up. I probably would end up going to London either way. But when I first started thinking about doing a European summer, my first thought was to come to Paris. And I was scared because I don't speak French very well. Like I know how to be polite and I know basic stuff like man, woman, child, dog, cat. I don't know how to count. I know toi, but I don't know nothing else. I was like moving to a country where you don't speak the language. It's crazy. But then I was bopping around Europe all summer and didn't speak Viennese, didn't speak Hungarian, don't speak Dutch, don't speak Portuguese, and I was fine. So hopefully I can exist in Paris without too much strife. We about to find out. I did have a good goodbye for London. I told you the last couple episodes how I had a list of things that I wanted to do before I leave, and I was trying to hastily cross them off the list. On Saturday, I went on a tour of Stonehenge, Oxford, and Windsor Palace. All three of those have been on my list. They're all out in the same area. I usually don't do organized tours. I like to do stuff on my own time and be very leisurely. But just because I was running out of time, I signed up for a tour that would take me to all three. 
And it was good. It was very rushed. And I think I would have enjoyed it better, not because of the tour, but because of the rain. We got to Oxford and it was just drizzling. And maybe 15 minutes into our tour, it was pouring down rain. I was properly dressed for the the cold and then also the rain, but it was just pouring so bad that it, it was just kind of a miserable experience. I got a couple good pictures, but I would have loved to have more time to just take a leisurely stroll around Oxford and really take in the sights. I did as much as I could in the rain, but it just it just wasn't pleasant. And then Windsor Palace, you just have to get to the palace, which wasn't so bad. But once I was inside, I just went to see the state apartments. There's more to see at the palace. Like there's a church on the grounds and there's also like the Queen's dollhouse. I didn't get a chance to see because the line was so long, but I did like zoom through the state apartments. You're not allowed to take pictures, but I would have liked to take it in a little more. But because we were doing those three things in one day, I had to get back to the bus because our driver and our guide were not playing. They tried to leave somebody after like the first stop. We took a bathroom break and this lady didn't come back to the bus. It was two minutes past and we were pulling out and the lady came running up to the bus and she was like, were you going to leave me? He was like, it's 1032. I told you to be back by 1030. It said it with a straight face, but it set the tone for the day because after that, everybody was back on the bus. Like he said, we had to be back by two. We were there at 155, seated and ready to go. And then we went to Stonehenge. There was actually a break in the weather, which thank God I was able to get really good shots and really just enjoy the scenery and look at the English countryside. Everything was very like technicolor, bright because it just finished raining. But as soon as we got back on the bus to head back to London, it started raining again. So I was thankful for the reprieve. At least I got to see one site and be mostly uninterrupted. Stonehenge is just beautiful. I wrote on my my social media pages how I had been to Stonehenge the second time I came to London when I was babysitting the teenagers from Long Island. We went out to Stonehenge and we actually like got to go into the circle and experience the energy field that's there. Now Stonehenge is blocked off. A couple people told me that you can pay for an extra tour and they'll let you go into the circle. Or if it's the summer solstice or the winter solstice, they'll let you go inside. But it used to be like if you bought a ticket, you could just go. And now it's restricted. I read that people had been trying to deface. (sighs) Idiots. People had been trying to deface the, the stones. Somebody had tagged them with graffiti. And then also... As many signs as people put up saying, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. And all the different museums, there's always a certain type of person, usually unmelanated, that just likes to touch everything. The oil from human hands, like people just see it as like, oh, I'm just going to give it a touch and I won't damage it. Like, it's okay for me. But it's like you and a thousand other people that very same day want to touch the same shit in the same spot. The oil from our hands is so fucking damaging. And then also a lot of this stuff like Stonehenge is, I want to say 2000 BC to like 4,000 years old. It's just old. And then humans doing their human shit just isn't helping the matter. So if there's something that you're really interested in, go do it before your fellow humans or time. It's not just humans, but also time. Talking about old stuff. You're just not available to anymore for whatever reason. But I did that on Saturday and then Sunday... I went to my favorite restaurant in Brixton and one of my friends was in town from Ghana. And every time we get together, we do these like marathon brunches and Sunday was no exception. We sat down for five and a half hours, just talking as women do. It's this little Jamaican restaurant in Brixton Village. Really amazing 
rum punch. That's how I started going there. And I got too tipsy and I was like, okay, I need to eat something. I need some carbs. And then ate and was like, this food is amazing. And then kept going back. Every time I get homesick, I would go there. Ellis Seafood, really good. I think if I moved back to London, I would probably try to live in Brixton. I got a place on the South Bank intentionally so I would be closer to South London. But I think if I were to do it again, I would just actually go live in South London. Because whenever I needed to like feel at home, that's where I went to hang out. We have good Black news this week. Cousin Sierra and Cousin Russell, they are expecting another baby. They are raising three children. They look like they're very sexually active, so I'm not really surprised. I'm very happy for them and their expanding family. They make really cute kids. And by all accounts, Russell is a great father. Sierra is a good mother. I mean, what they tell folks, be fruitful and multiply. They like having babies. They should have a bunch of them. I mean, they got four now. Also in good black news, there's a video circulating of one of our favorite couples. Cousin Nelly and Cousin Ashanti. They be so damn happy. There's this video circulating. They're singing some Usher song. I can't remember what song it is. But they're like touching heads. All parts of their body must touch. Like they're all up on each other. And then Ashanti's head is leaned into Nelly. And Nelly is leaned into hers. And Nelly is singing all off key. Smiling ocean wide. You can see all of his molars and his good and expensive dental work. He paid good money for that mouth. Well spent. Ashanti, same thing. Smiling. All of her molars showing. Just happy. Just happy. I'm happy for them. I remember when Nelly crossed the stage and I was like, look, whatever may come of it, whatever may come of it, I want Ashanti to be happy. Ashanti deserves happiness. It seems like Nelly is making her happy these days. That's all I want. I hope they recognize that what they got, the joy that they have, the smiling with all their molars, everyone doesn't inspire that. Everyone doesn't get to experience that. You find somebody that makes you smile with all of your molars showing, You hold on to that. That's precious. You think you might find it somewhere else. It's possible. It could happen twice in a lifetime. You find somebody that makes you smile with all of your molars out, you hang on to that. And that's for Nelly and for Ashanti. Y'all see how happy y'all are together. Let's make it work this time. I'm not saying y'all got to get married. I'm not saying y'all got to reproduce. Just everybody recognize the very rare and exquisite thing that you are experiencing it and treat it as something to be cherished because it is. That's what I'm saying. May they continue to have joy. If you haven't experienced a love like that, it's a very beautiful thing. It really is. I hope to find it a second time. I felt that way about him. I used to literally bite the inside of my cheeks so that I wouldn't be smiling with all my molars out when I would see him. I didn't want him to know how open I was, but I chose a different path. And so did he. And other good news, depending on your perspective, Tory Lanez is supposed to be sentenced today. I was trying to hold the podcast, but I'm not trying to be up all night recording and editing. Maybe by the time I'm finished editing this episode, there will be a sentencing for Tory Lanez. It was supposed to be yesterday, and then it got delayed until today, 10.30 a.m. in L.A. It's actually 11.43 in L.A. right now, but I haven't seen an update on what the sentencing was. For obvious reasons, the prosecution wants the book thrown at him. He was convicted of three felonies. This is the case of of him shooting Meg in the feet. Three felonies are serious. And then obviously Tory Lane's people, they're asking for probation, which I was like, bruh, you're not getting probation. You shot that lady. But, you know, they're trying it. The world and everything in it versus probation. It'll probably land somewhere in the middle. 
I'm eager to see what that is. I just want him to get the max just because he's a jackass. He shot Meg and then Meg tried to protect him until he started terrorizing her publicly. I feel like he needs some extra time for that. Even if it's not something he's been charged and convicted of. But the man is a little terror. And I do mean little. And I do mean terror. Probation is not acceptable. He has to serve time and not like one to three years time. If he got five years, I'd be fine with it. Meg didn't appear in court. She said she didn't want to be in the same room with him again, which I completely understood. But she also produced a statement to the judge about Tory. And she wrote, quote, since I was viciously shot by the defendant, I have not experienced a single day of peace. Slowly but surely, I'm healing and coming back, but I will never be the same. She asked the judge that her absence not be taken as a sign of indifference. She, quote, simply could not bring myself to be in the room with Tori again. And, and just because I didn't mention it before, specifically, I said he was convicted of three felonies. It's assault with a semi-automatic firearm, having a loaded unregistered firearm in a vehicle, and discharging a firearm with gross negligence. The prosecution is asking for 13 years. I'm fine with that. He's 31. He wouldn't get out of jail till he's 44. Damn. That's a big gap of life. Shit he should have thought about before he fired a gun at her. Sorry. Not sorry. Black women's lives, black women's safety, black women's sanity is not something to be toyed with. Any harm to a black woman's sanity and safety should be treated like the very horrible, terrible, level 10 type bullshit that it is and people who trample on it, who disregard it, who have no regard for it, should be treated accordingly. So 13 years, that's actually generous and kind for the prosecution, to be quite honest with you. I would have gone for 15, 20, but maybe the charges don't support that. Hmm. Up until, I guess, Sunday, I thought... The anchor conversation we will be having on this podcast was about Jamie Foxx. He posted something the other day. He said, they killed this dude named Jesus. What do you think they'll do to you? Hashtag fake friends. Hashtag fake love. I saw it. I thought nothing of it. I've heard a version of this saying all my life. They killed Jesus. They talked about Jesus. Lauren Hill. Everyday people lie to God too. So what makes you think they won't lie to you? It's a very general day. It's never named. It's never assigned to a particular person or a particular group. I read that and I was like, oh, he dealing with some bullshit. And I didn't think anything else about it. And then I get another alert and Jamie Foxx is apologizing for people who thought he made anti-Semitic remarks. And I was like, wait, what? When did Jamie Foxx make anti-Semitic remarks? And then they're like, oh, the tweet he put up about they killed Jesus. It was about the Jews. Huh? I have a friend who grew up around a lot of Jewish folk. He on Facebook and he brought up the discussion and a lot of his Jewish friends weighed in and were explaining how we got to Jamie Foxx's anti-Semitic. Cause I think me and most black people were confused about how we even got here. We were like, they killed Jesus has nothing to do with Jews. Like how did, how did they even get in this conversation? If you hard press a black person who grew up on, they killed Jesus. They talked about Jesus. They lie to God too. So what makes you think they won't lie to you? If you really press on what they meant, you might get Romans. You might get sinners. You might get Judas. But you got to go through like a good hundred thousand black people before somebody's like the Jews. 
You'd have to get into like 5%er or fringe nation of Islam. I don't even think that's middle of the road nation of Islam. Like NOI got some interesting beliefs about white people. Farrakhan specifically has said some things about Jewish folk. I don't know if that's the overall thinking of NOI or Farrakhan goes far sometimes. The core tenet of NOI is like white people were made in the lab. I don't, I don't know if they're specifically singling out Jews for that. That said, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a black person who hears the phrase, they killed Jesus and thinks they're talking about Jews. Okay, I'm on my friend's page and his Jewish friends are weighing in and they're saying, well, yeah, who else would the they be? Because they're always saying, and I don't know who they is in that situation, are always saying Jews killed Jesus. And I was like, who says that? Who? Like, who, who says that? I'm not saying you haven't heard it. I'm not saying it hasn't been said. I'm saying who says that? It's not black people. And Jamie Foxx is black. Who says that? And they were like, well, people say it all the time. It's one of the excuses people use for treating Jewish people badly is saying that Jewish people killed Christ. And I was like, okay, I believe that this is said. I'm not denying your experience that you've heard this before. This is not something that I'm familiar with. And this is not something that's within black culture. They were like, but Jamie Foxx said it. And that's what he meant. And I'm like, Jamie Foxx wasn't thinking about no Jews when he said that. Jamie Foxx is from some small itty bitty town in Texas and was raised with a jury curl. I think he was raised by his grandmother and I think he played the piano in church. I'm I'm telling you, Jamie Foxx did not grow up with the idea that Jews killed Jesus. Now, sometimes in black churches, remember Reverend Wright from Chicago? He said, God damn America. And people were all upset. Now, sometimes in the black church, you will find some rhetoric that, that is really fired up against white folks. But we're not singling out like Jewish folks. We talk about white in general. Black people don't really separate white folks from Jewish folks. It's just all white together. Here's the thing, right? As I'm having this conversation on my friend's page and I'm trying to explain. So I feel you and I hear you and I understand what your experience of where you're coming from. But can you also understand that Jamie Foxx is not in the, in the they that you're now using? Say they say it all the time and they use it as an excuse to, to persecute Jews saying that we killed Christ black people aren't your they we're not the ones persecuting you we don't have the power to that's just not how we think it's not something we're taught just culturally it's not something we think but i will make the allowance that this is something that you've experienced that this is the phrase that you've heard that is hurtful to you but in the same way that i can acknowledge this is something that is hurtful to your community can you also understand that my community doesn't know what the fuck you're talking about to accuse jamie fox a black person who is completely clueless about your experience, for you to label him anti-Semitic just isn't accurate. And then furthermore, the idea that he should apologize, which I understood why he did. You could say nigga every day. If you say something even remotely kind of terrible about Jewish folk, you get canceled. And I'm not saying some people don't deserve to be. Like Kyrie Irving, he's an idiot. Kanye West, he's an idiot. He deserved that shit. But like... Jamie Foxx doesn't have a history of saying anti-Semitic shit. He actually doesn't have a history of saying controversial shit. Jamie Foxx is pretty mild, all things considered. Like, I was really trying to, like, run through my mind of, like, a Jamie Foxx scandal, and I honestly can't think of one. I was like, why can't y'all give him the benefit of the doubt? That's not my point. My point is, if something happens in your community and something different happens in my community, why is it that you think that your community trumps? Like, why? Like, okay, there's a thing that happens in your community. 
I'm trying to explain to you, my community has no freaking awareness. In the interest of finding a middle ground and actually solving the issue and finding some resolution, can we just discuss that like, hey, we weren't aware. We didn't know that was an issue for y'all. But the idea that we should stop using a phrase that's very popular in our community, that's long, that's long standing in our community, just because now your community finds it offensive? Why? You're not more important. And at the same time, you're not less important. We're all equals in this bitch. But the idea that because you think it's wrong, then suddenly it's wrong, it's not. Also, it's important to think about the context of what he wrote. It was they killed Jesus and then it was hashtag fake friends. And when Jamie Foxx apologized and said he wasn't anti-Semitic, basically he loves everyone. Like he did the whole kumbaya remark. And he said the reason he posted is because someone in his circle betrayed him. And like they killed Jesus and hashtag fake friends completely lines up with the idea of like, is someone betraying you? I.E. Judas or E2 Brute, Julius Caesar, Jesus Christ, Julius Caesar, JC is always an allegory for Jesus Christ. That's some real English major nerd shit. Still, I've heard the phrase all my life. I never really thought about who the they was. If, If hard pressed, again, it would be Judas selling out Jesus for, was it a bag of silver or a bag of gold? It better have been a bag of gold. I know you ain't sell out Jesus for some silver. And then Jennifer Aniston, she liked the post. And then when people called her out for liking the post, she said she did not like Jamie Foxx's post, quote, on purpose or by accident. So why did you like it? I don't understand. You didn't like it on purpose. Okay. But you also didn't like it on accident. So how did you get to liking it, girl? She said Jamie Foxx's post, the one that she liked, not on purpose and not on accident. She said, it really makes me sick. This is the full quote. She said, more importantly, I want to be clear to my friends and anyone hurt by this showing up in their feeds. I do not support any form of anti-Semitism and I truly don't tolerate hate of any kind, period. Man, what the fuck are you talking about? He didn't say anything. And then you hopping on the bandwagon after you like the shit, whether it was not done on purpose or not done on accident, the shit was done nonetheless. You trying to get out of this kerfluffle that you put yourself in. You're not trying to get caught in a crossfire. So you decide to throw Jamie Foxx under the fucking bus. You could have just sat down and ate your food from the get go. You didn't have to like something on purpose or on accident. You didn't have to even be following the man. You wanted to jump in some shit that you didn't understand as opposed to you just sitting still and eating your food. You had to add fuel to the fire and send more people after this man. Girl, I actually like Jennifer Aniston. I don't anymore. This is, it's not going to be a popular thing to say. I apologize to the white folks who listen to my podcast. I imagine that if you are here and you show up on a regular basis, you either know some black people, was raised around some black people, hang out with some black people, or you're trying to get to know like black folks. And so you're listening to a black woman's podcast. I feel you. But this type of shit with Jennifer Aniston is why black women are often very tepid and very skeptical of white women. Because you kind of know when some shit hits the fan, you expect them to act like Jennifer Aniston. I can't believe she did that shit. I was like, I thought she were like a good white girl. Apparently not. We need to talk about the Battle of Montgomery. Some people call it the fade in the water. People kept emailing me or texting me, DMing me. and was like, I can't wait for Tuesday's podcast because I know you're going to talk about it. I don't really know what y'all want me to say. The internet has done its job. It has been a glorious and marvelous 72 hours on the internet. I have been tickled. I watched the video 
of the man trying to do his job, the black man trying to do his job. I was just scrolling on Van's page, Van Lathan. He's a fun follow. He's been talking about the aftermath of the video and a few details that didn't come out. This whole thing started because a riverboat full of black folks came back to the dock and there was a private boat in the space that the riverboat was supposed to dock. Black man, the one that you see on video, I think white shirt, black pants, black cap goes to the boat, is looking for the owners, nobody's there, and he sort of like pushes the boat forward, trying to make room for the riverboat to be able to dock. Now I'm reading this on Van's page. It says the captain of the riverboat remained away from the dock, and this riverboat, I've seen countless videos from different angles like everybody else. It was a huge riverboat packed with black folk. It was hella people on the boat. I would say easily 200, and that's a very generous underestimation. But this boat couldn't dock for 40 to 45 minutes from what I've been reading because of the private boat that was in the way. So a man that works for the dock or either the boat in his official capacity on duty working man goes and tries to resolve the issue with this boat. The owners of the boat are some white boys. They see this black guy in his work uniform poking around the boat and then they come and then they come over. On the video, the black man working and maybe two or three white guys go back and forth for an extended amount of time. The white guys keep going back and forth with the black man. You can see by the black man's body language that the situation is escalating because he starts doing the black people hand clap. Like he's tired of this shit. He's emphasizing every word with the hand clap. Okay. He's going back and forth with one of the guys and this white guy just starts fighting him. He throws his hat in the air like Bobby Smurder. It's like a universal hoo which I didn't realize at the time. I just saw the hat go up. I saw them start brawling. The black man is fighting two white people at a time. Some white boy, I think he has on red shorts, runs from off camera and he jumps on the black guy and takes him down. And now it's like four or five white guys jumping this black man who's on duty at work just trying to do his goddamn job. I first saw the video. Because several people sent it to me. I didn't watch it the first few times I saw it. I just saw the screenshot of like the cover of the video. And I'm like, whatever this is, I'm not watching this. I'm not trying to see a bunch of men brawling. I finally watched the video. I see this black guy get jumped. And I was like, damn. The same way I feel when I see like police brutality videos, which I also really try hard not to watch. I repeatedly ask people not to send them to me. They do anyway, which stop. I don't want to see this shit. But I'm watching the video of this black man getting jumped. And I was like, I'm so sick of white folks and this bullshit. Like this racism, it just never ends. The man's just trying to do his job. And then I see this black guy go running. The white men are jumping the black guy at like right on the dock. And then there's like this elevated area, kind of like, I don't know the right word, the walkway that leads down to the docks. So I see this guy go running by. It's a black guy. He comes running from one side of the screen. He goes off screen. He's gone for a second and then two seconds and then three seconds. And then he appears on screen again. Like he's running down to the docks to help the black guy just getting jumped. Like he just showed up and started brawling. Like fits started throwing. So now it's like two, one, four, five, six, whatever. Then in the corner of the screen, I didn't know at the time it was a child. Somebody is swimming. 
I've seen the video of the opposite angle and information has come out about the person doing it. It's a 16-year-old boy. He's in high school. He was on the boat, the boat that's been sitting out there for 45 minutes trying to wait to dock because this private boat won't move. He works for the company. He has, I think he had crew on the back of his shirt. He jumps off the boat. I saw the video. He's on the boat. He dives into the water like Michael Phelps style and starts swimming. Just swimming. Just going. Just going. Just going. Gets to the dock. Pulls himself up. And then body slams some dude. Black people came out of nowhere. They came by land. They came by sea. They came to this black man's rescue. It was a beautiful thing to watch. In general, I don't like fight videos. I don't like violence. I don't condone violence. I was so proud of those black men that day and and black women. Some white women jumped into that fight too and some black women showed up to brawl on them too. Everybody caught them hands. I don't even know where all those people came from. I saw some people skipping, skipping down the dock. <laughs> Ready, excited, excited to fight, excited to lay hands. I saw somebody, that man got to be somebody's granddaddy. He definitely grown with grown children. He might have like teenage grandchildren too. He picked up that chair and he bashed that white lady right over the head with that shit. He didn't even swing on her. He just bashed her. Then the cops pulled him off. He was swinging that thing. I told y'all, I don't really like videos with a whole lot of violence. I've watched that video like 10 times, like the original one. And then I've watched different angles of the video. I'd like to shout out to everyone who recorded that day professional cell phone recorders because sometimes people be fucking up the angles the fight be over here on the right and maybe looking at the water like you're actually looking at it but you forgot to move the screen to look at the action things are just moving all over the place it's jumpy it's not steady everyone who recorded video of this was on point one lady she's the main video that's been circulating gave us excellent commentary in case you didn't catch everything that was going on she gave you a play-by-play boom cow ow very Batman. She went very Batman. I know there's going to be consequences for this. This is what I'm reading on Van's page. And he pulled it from Phil Lewis, who is a senior editor at the Huffington Post. So we're talking about journalists quoting journalists. That's the only reason I feel comfortable reading this. Because it's not a news story. It's just a list of items that somebody wrote in their notes. According to what Van wrote, it says 13 people were detained, but were ultimately released. Good to know. Richard Roberts. He's one of the white guys, one of the attackers. There's a warrant for third degree assault. Alan Todd, white male, one warrant pending. Zachary Shipman, 25, white male, one warrant pending. Van notes that these are all misdemeanor charges and that all of the warrants are for the owners of the private boat, not for the black folks. One of the white guys is in custody. Two are set to turn themselves in. The man wielding the folding chair. I thought I saw police like, take him down and we're trying to arrest him. I'm positive I saw that. Like it's on video from different angles. They said that he's being asked to contact the police department. I'm not saying he's wrong for what he did. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm saying you hit a woman over the head with a folding chair. There's probably going to be consequences and repercussions for that, sir. I'm just saying, if there's a reputable GoFundMe, I got five on it. You hit the woman over the head. I mean, she, and she deserved it. She brought her ass into the middle of a brawl. You, you got the heart to bring yourself into the brawl. You got the heart to get hit. And then Van notes that the, the investigation is ongoing and more charges to come. Which sounds about right. I read that the teenager, the boy who swam in the water, again, still in high school. I think he's going into his senior year. People want to donate to him. People were like, you know, can we can a college scholarship, a passport? 
they were like, what does he need for school? Does he have all his supplies? What does he need for college? Like, is that taken care of? How can we support him the way he supported the black man on the docks? His family said they're good. They don't need any money. They don't want any money. They're very proud of him. They're good. I haven't seen anything else with reputable GoFundMes. But if it's true that the guy lost his job, I hope folks take care of him because nobody deserves that. The man was trying to do his job. Like he was beyond patient in trying to get those white boys to move their boat. And they, for whatever reason, wouldn't. You should never be attacked for just trying to do your damn job. I know black folks have watched this and we've, you know, we've kikied and we've laughed all over the internet. But I think the core of that is black folks is sick of this shit. Too many generations of black folks done dealt with this bullshit. Clearly, that 16 and something crowd is like, we not doing it. We gonna nip this shit in the bud right now. We not doing it. God bless them. Black people watch this video, feel a swell of pride in their chest. It's cathartic to watch these black folks fight back. Contrary to popular belief, we actually are our ancestors. People be like, we are not our ancestors. Yeah, we are. Because our ancestors include Nat Turner and Harriet Tubman and a whole bunch of other unnamed people who set some shit off. They might have been killed and the stories might have been buried. They might have had their heads cut off and put on stakes. Shit that actually happened because there's a memorial to it in Edgar, Louisiana. I don't know why I know random factoids like this. Actually, I know because I go visit plantations. That's not the point. The point is, there was a whole bunch of rebellious black folks enslaved in the civil rights movement, in Reconstruction, post-Reconstruction, Jim Crow, whatever. There's always been rebellious black people. Maybe their names have been buried. Maybe they didn't go down in history. Maybe they're only local heroes. And the folks that ran to the dock that day, they are standing in the tradition of their ancestors. Especially Montgomery, Alabama. Those are different kind of black people down there. That's like the home of the bus boycott. Like, you know what? We just going to walk. Fuck you, white people and your buses. For a year. I could be like, okay, we're going to walk this week. I could not take the bus for a week. You want me to walk miles every day to work and back after I've done back-breaking work, washing some white woman's clothes, looking after her badass kids and cleaning her house, and then you want me to walk home afterward for a year? I don't know if I make it. God bless the ancestors. Montgomery is different. God bless them. They done gave us two good rebellions. They gave us the bus, and now they gave us this brawl. <sighs> I think that's today's episode. Let me look and see if there's any verdict for Tori real quick. If not, we're going to have to save it for next week because it's already 929 on my end, and I don't want to be up all night editing. 10 years. I just saw it on CNN. All right, so that's not everything, but that's what we got. All right, talk Friday. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.